0: sacred space on west limerick 102
1: and welcome back again for the second part of our program here in sacred space on west limerick 102 my name is lorraine buckley joining me this morning are john Keeley, shane ambrose and we have father frank Duhig, who's the parish priest here in newcastle west you're very welcome father
0: Thank you very much, Lorraine.
1: So on this beautiful Feast of Corpus Christi and when the Eucharistic Congress is starting today, we thought we might have you in and have a few little reflections on the Eucharist. Father, why do you think the Eucharist is so important?
0: Maybe I should say first that I'm, I'm no theologian, so these are just <laughs> a few little my own uh, uh, thoughts on the, the Eucharist. I think the whole trust of God's relationship towards us that we find in the Scripture is that God is a giver, God wants to give to us. And um, Jesus enacted that, if you like, by coming and giving himself uh, to us. And if somebody gives you a lot, you're expected to say thanks. So I think there are those two things. There's the self-giving that is at the heart of Jesus' life, the heart of God's relationship towards us. And I think the Eucharist provides us Uh, It models self-giving for us, and it um, gives us the best possible way of uh, saying thanks. So Jesus came and gave himself, and he did it to the extent that he became one of us. can't give yourself much more -hmm. more than that. And all through his message, it's, it's there, that giving of Jesus. And finally, he did it on the cross. And... When he said on the cross, it is accomplished, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what he's really saying is the mission that I came on to bring the love of God to people and to, to enact the giving of the love of God to give myself has been accomplished now that he has given himself on the cross. But he didn't just give himself on the cross to us. He, um, he wanted us to be able to, be, to connect all the time with that and so the night before he died on the cross, he gave us the gift of the Eucharist, where he offered up his body and blood. His body and blood is offered on the cross. His body and blood offered up in the Eucharist. And he gave us the um, uh, the Eucharist. Now, this uh, notion, I was at a talk in the uh, training college in Limerick a few weeks ago, and there was an archbishop from the Vatican, Archbishop Fisichella, I think was his name.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he, he made the point that... Um, the concept of love as giving yourself, a
2: mm-hmm.
0: like giving of yourself, is nowhere to be found. I'm no scholar now, but mm. he was. And he says it's nowhere to be found in any literature of any until Jesus comes. Mm-hmm. So it's a radically new thing to give yourself mm-hmm. to others, and that's yeah. the big, big um, message that Jesus um, brought it to us. And he so he gives us the gift of the Eucharist, so that... What happens on in, in the Passion, Death and Resurrection of Jesus, what happens on the cross, is extended into our lives to all people for all time. And then, as I said, when you when someone gives you a lot, you say thanks and the Eucharist the word Eucharist meaning uh, Greek word meaning thanksgiving, he gives us also the best possible way of saying thanks to him for that mm-hmm. giving. That's what I would Trudium That's why I think it's important, you know.
1: I suppose just to pick up on that point, there was a recent survey, Father, where um, Catholics were surveyed and a lot of them didn't really understand the real presence mm-hmm. in the Eucharist. You know, they just saw it as a sign or a symbol. Mm-hmm. But as Catholics, we truly believe that Jesus comes to us in Holy Communion. Oh, absolutely,
0: uh, yeah. It's really, truly and substantially present in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And Some people, I think, even maybe think that there's been a change in that. Mm-hmm teaching us, it's absolutely central to the Catholic doctrine, is the real presence of Jesus.
1: So that when we receive Holy Communion, we are actually receiving Jesus. Receiving Jesus. He is giving himself to us. Giving
0: himself to us, absolutely.
1: What does the Eucharist invite us to do then, Father?
0: I suppose, if you just put it simply, it simply asks us to give ourselves to others in the same way as he gives himself to us. Mm-hmm. That's what he means. He says, "Love one another as I have loved you."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How did he love us? He gave himself. So, what does he want us to do? Give ourselves uh, to others. And it's not easy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's very hard. We don't. We don't find it easy to to give ourselves to others. To give ourselves selflessly. And so, in the the Eucharist, we Jesus knew that it wouldn't be easy, and. We, we have the model of Jesus, the great self-giver, in front of us all the time. Every time we go to the Eucharist, we have the reminder of Jesus' message, how we can give ourselves to others, mm-hmm. the things we have to do if we are to be able to give ourselves mm-hmm. to others, the things, the disciplines and so forth we may have to uh, practice. It's all there before us in Eucharist, and he gives us, as you pointed out already, he, every time we go to Eucharist, he gives us himself in his body and blood. And that makes it Easier for us—not easy, but easier mm-hmm. for us to um, uh, to give ourselves. So we receive them, as theology says, in word and in sacrament every time we gather to uh, celebrate the uh, Eucharist.
1: I suppose that's an important point that the—you know—sometimes you. Know, sometimes you can go into Mass maybe and be a bit distracted and mm-hmm. suddenly the readings are almost over before you kind of wake up to yourself. Yeah, right. It's really so important to listen to the readings, isn't right, it, yeah, that you are really nourished by the readings.
0: Oh, yeah, it is. And, you know, and to be prepared as well. And, you know, and the, and the difference between arriving a few minutes early and coming in a few minutes late, you know, I mean, I know there are valid reasons sometimes and I sometimes see families bringing young children, you know, and uh, dragging them in a few minutes late. And, I mean, my God, it's not easy, you know, so I don't make any uh, judgment at all about, about that, you know. And It can be quite difficult for them, and they are giving themselves to their mm-hmm. children when they do that. But it's um like whenever we can to try to um get there a bit earlier... Be a little bit prepared if you have access to the readings beforehand, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if I went in to, to say Mass and hadn't read the readings beforehand, I'd be totally at sea, like, you know. And um, I think if we haven't had access to the readings and so forth, and have an idea and open up your mind and heart a bit of what the message might be. It's amazing what you get out of it when, mm-hmm. you, when, you, when you do that little bit of um, preparation. Um, so,
1: Why do you think there's been a fall-off in attendance at Mass kind of over the last maybe 20 20 years or so?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's very complex, you know. I mean, well, I suppose the first thing we have to acknowledge straight off um, is that the scandals have uh, done a lot of damage there, you know, and there's been a lot of disappointment and disillusionment and um, and so forth. So there's no denying that, that that certainly hasn't helped and it has done damage, you know. And maybe... Given an excuse, sometimes to people that were on that were wavering anyway, you know. But like, very damaging that let that be acknowledged straight away. But I believe it's um, deeper than that. There are so many factors that contributed to the dropping off, you know. Um, and if the Eucharist, as I said already, asks us to give of ourselves selflessly uh, to others, and we're living in a materialistic society. Mm. It's not easy. It's not easy any time mm-hmm. to give of yourself to others. But if you're living in, in a kind of a self-pampering, quite materialistic uh, society, then to be reminded every Sunday, like, mm-hmm. of all the giving of yourself you have to do, maybe you don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that people consciously go through that process of thought, but maybe just the mass loses its attraction if it constantly reminds you that there are things in your life you need to change, mm-hmm. which it does. No, it also constantly reminds us that God loves us with a, a, a very passionate love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, passionate, you know, in the sense he suffered mm-hmm. to, to show to show his love. So um, I think that's a, a factor. Then I, there are a lot of factors as well. You know, um, I think mystery, you know, um, doesn't rest too easily on the, the ears of, uh, of today's, in, in today's culture. You know, um, the whole idea like that there's something that you may be asked to accept that you will never fully understand. And people very quickly come in and say, oh, when you're under pressure in an argument, you use the mystery thing. But it's the reality. that a mystery at the heart, the Trinity, the Eucharist, all that transubstantiation, all of that, at the centre of the Catholic faith. And um, we're not inventing it, you know, but it is. And... uh, the whole, I, there is so much you can understand today mm-hmm. and then to be come up against something that you'll be told you'll never fully understand and uh, Jesus asking us to accept it that doesn't rest easily I think either or not but there are complex reasons I don't really pretend to say that that's the full answer to your question but it's, there's a mm-hmm. whole lot of things and everybody has their own personal reasons and, mm-hmm. and there are probably you know People whose life is so much of a struggle and they're torn and dragged in so many directions, you know, and they just maybe they've passed <coughs> away a bit like but it's not it's not easy for them, so i don 't want to give the impression sure. that I, i've have it all worked out you know mm-hmm. That's what, about,
1: what about people who say that they're bored at mass or they get nothing out of mass yeah,
0: the only thing I would um, say to that like is it's part of my experience, and i'd say every priest's experience that if you've that masses on particular occasions, if you say a mass in a house, a family mm-hmm. mass, mm. or if you say a mass, you know, a funeral mass or a wedding mass, it's quite common, or even in a school mass, in a secondary school, it's quite common for the people there to say that was a lovely mass for the you know, mm. and um, we would never hear that, or very seldom yeah. anyway, after a Sunday mass, <coughs> you know, and now... You might say, what is the difference? One of the differences I see like, is that there is something to focus their minds. That they are more of a community when a class mass or a wedding mass where it is friends and mm-hmm. relatives of the person or a funeral mass. There's connection between them, and the mass is, above all, a community celebration, and it can be hard to get the sense of community in at your typical Sunday mass, and especially today... When people mm. go their own way and don't, maybe there isn't as much neighbourliness. They, they don't see themselves as a community gathering. They see themselves as a lot of individuals, and I think that that's a factor, maybe. Plus, probably us preachers, you know, boring or something. <laughs> no, I <don't> know <laughs> you at say we can't deny <laughs> that. I see John over there. I wouldn't would would <laughs> say that now. Well, yes. Yeah, so.
3: But there was something that I was just thinking of there um, about. You know, when you mentioned there, Father, about about God loves us, and maybe that's a mystery too. It's something hard for us maybe to grasp sometimes, that God the Creator loves us and yeah. loves us so much that he gave His Son. And we, we find that hard to get our head yeah. around that sometimes. If we do get a head around that at all, we might be more inclined maybe to respect the Eucharist and maybe yeah. to go to Mass. I suppose that would be a fair comment too. Oh,
0: very much so. And, uh, and I think that Pope Benedict, the present Pope, is, is trying very hard to get across the love mm-hmm. of God, his first encyclical, mm-hmm. you know, God is love. Taken from the letters of St. John and write through other writings. Indeed, I don't, you know, but in any of them I mm-hmm. do get a chance to read bits and pieces of it. That it's there all the time, reminding us that God loves each of us so, so yeah. much, you know. In fairness, like, I don't know about uh, Lorraine, but um, maybe those that are a bit older, um, didn't grow up with that, you mm. know, maybe with a certain fear yeah, of God. Sounds, you know, there is a thing yeah. called you know, fear of God, like, you know, the, the, in the Old Testament it says the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, but that yeah. means kind of a holy awe and you know. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But not, mm. Um, mm. I think that's a, a factor as well. But uh, certainly um, we must realize that God loves us. And mm. the further I go on, a priest that I was talking to, another priest last night, and, we, and he's just a few years younger than me, and we were talking about this and we were, we, the extent to which we have grown in our appreciation of the love of God over the last 10, 15, 20 years, we both had exactly the same experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't
0: that mm-hmm. fantastic? Yeah. I think it's the great truth mm. that maybe was hidden for a while.
1: Mm. Shane, have you any thoughts?
4: Um, I, I, I suppose the, the, thing, the, the thing, one thing that jumped out to me there when Father was talking was just the, the idea of Eucharist helping us in, as community. And, of course, it, it links in, of course, with the team of the Congress, mm-hmm. um, you know, with God, the Eucharist, communion with God and with one another. I suppose, for many people, I suppose that's one of the challenges. How can they be part of a Eucharistic community, I suppose, um, and the difficulties that can present? Because I suppose sometimes, you know, there's a lot of questions about those that are excluded from the table to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, like, would you have any kind of thoughts on that, particularly on this feast of Corpus
0: Christi? Well I think you know, they, they, when they, they the, the, the whole idea of uh, being part of a community I think that people I, I read recently somewhere someone saying that, that the challenge for us is to, is to form communions of love mm-hmm. and uh, you know even I, I saw someone describing the Trinity as, as a communion of love and that I think a lot of people are actually doing that um, uh, in their everyday life, you know, they're doing it within family, maybe wherever their workplace, or they're uh, reaching out, helping needy people. And they are forming little communions of love, but they don't always see the connection between that and the, um,
2: the
0: and, uh, and and the Eucharist, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that, that the Eucharist becomes a kind of an isolated ritual in our week that we don't see. So we, we need to establish the connection. There are people... Living Eucharist to use a the theological phrase to bear being Eucharist in more ways than they realize mm-hmm. in all kinds of situations. I think if they could see that, that maybe they would be uh, connecting more you know so.
1: mm-hmm. Father, what do you hope the Eucharistic Congress will achieve for the Eucharist or for our appreciation of the mass
0: well, I suppose um, many things. Um, I suppose one of the, the hopes i 'd have uh, we'll see but it's a hope I would have that um, that it might be seen in a positive light, the Eucharistic Congress as a very big positive thing in uh, in the history of the church uh, of our church at this time, and and that maybe there might it might, you know, get rid of some of the negativity that is there. You know, okay, there's grounds for it, like you know, but there's a time too when you must you must look at the positives and and that. If people could look more at, at all the good and all the positive things, that so many church people, you know, uh, religious and uh, lay, have done and are doing, you know, uh, all over the world. There's an awful lot of good that hasn't got mentioned for a while, really. You know, it's kind of, there's a kind of condescending little nod to it, you know, in, in discussions. But it, I think we need to, people need to stand back and maybe look a bit more positively. So look at all the good things. And my hope then is that if they can look, be a bit more positive about the Church, that it might open them more, more up more to the riches of the Eucharist. And, you know, the, um, the Vatican Council said that the Eucharist contains the entire spiritual wealth of the Church, and I think that a lot of people have no uh, glimpse of that, you know. But I think it's... I um, be just hoping for a bit more positivity and to look at the positive things, and then they might be surprised what the Eucharist holds for them.
1: And I suppose if people attend the Eucharistic Congress and they have a good experience, please God, of Eucharist and of community and of Mm. being church, and then they come back into their own parish, would you recommend that they have a little chat with their local PP and just see how maybe the fruits of the Eucharistic Congress could be? Yeah, absolutely. Of course,
0: they they should, you know, and they should never be afraid to challenge their local PP. You know, it's. um, that's, uh, it's, and I think many, you know, most P.P.s would, would welcome that, like, you know, because it's a sign of interest in life and faith and so forth. You know, and um, I would certainly hope, you know, when I go up on Tuesday, my, okay. I hope to spend the day browsing around and, at things that are going on in the Irish Church and uh, maybe pick up a few new ideas. And if some of the people that travel with us pick up ideas and want to challenge us on them, that'll be great.
1: Excellent. We'll have to keep an eye out on Tuesday, so.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we have to get a larger room for Lectio Divina every Monday when we (laughs) come back. We'll see how we go. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, Father, for joining us this morning. Um, We're going to take a piece of music now. It's a Eucharistic hymn. It's Sweet Sacrament Divine. It's sung by Regina Nathan, and it's from the album Faith of Our Fathers. Let's have a listen. (laughs)
0: Sacred Space on West Limerick
3: 102.
1: Welcome back again to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Joining me this morning are John Keeley and Shane Ambrose. And as usual in this part of the program, we'll reflect on today's gospel. But before we do, John, you might lead us in our prayer before reading and reflecting on sacred scripture, please.
3: Okay, Lorraine, and this is the prayer we use each morning. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your Spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives be, may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander, But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this Father in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: Amen. So the Gospel this morning is from Mark's Gospel. It's chapter 14, verses 12 to 16, and then verses 22 to 26. On the first day of the unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was sacrificed, His disciples said to Jesus, Where do you want us to go to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the city, and you will meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him, and say to the owner of the house which he enters, The master says, Where is my dining room in which I can eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished with couches all prepared. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples set out and went to the city and found everything as he had told them and prepared the Passover. And as they were eating, he took some bread, and when he had said the blessing, he broke it and gave it to them. Take it, he said, this is my body. Then he took a cup And when he had returned thanks, he gave it to them, and all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, the blood of the covenant, which is to be poured out for many. I tell you solemnly, I shall not drink any more wine, until the day I drink the new wine in the kingdom of God. After Psalms had been sung, they left for the Mount of Olives. Wow, Shane. Loads in that gospel again this Sunday. This
4: Indeed, there's, there's quite a bit in it. And of course, today we celebrate a, a very special feast. And personally, for me, uh, Corpus Christi is one of my favourite feasts mm. in the liturgical calendar. And of course, we're celebrating today, of course, the body and blood of Christ. Um, before the reform of the council, of course, they would have been just the feast of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ was celebrated on the 1st of July, but the two feasts were merged.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
4: Now, the Feast of Corpus Christi was proclamated by Urban IV after what is called the Eucharistic Miracle at Orvieto in Italy. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a priest, I think it was a Belgian, uh, Peter, that was traveling in Italy, and at the time he had great doubts about the real presence uh, and Christ being present in the Blessed Sacrament. And while saying Mass one day, the Eucharistic Miracle occurred where the host started bleeding on the pattern in front of him. And at the time, the popes were not in Rome. They were taking shelter in the city of Orvieto. And uh, he immediately, near where he was, and Peter immediately went to the papal court to, to comment, to show the miracle. And from that, we, we have the, the devotion to the Corpus, uh, Corpus Christi grew out of that miracle at Orvieto. And even today, I think you can still travel to the church in Orvieto to see the relic of the Eucharistic miracle. Mm. And out of that... Urban proclamated the feast that we celebrate today. And, of course, he got one of the uh, greatest theologians of the Church to write um, the Mass and the office of the day, and that was St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm. And Aquinas, for the Feast of Corpus Christi, he wrote some of our favourite Eucharistic hymns, like uh, O O Solitaris, uh, uh, you know, Tantum Ergo from mm. the Pangea Linguini and you know, all of those beautiful Eucharistic hymns that we use. Just as an aside if anyone is in Dublin during the Eucharistic Congress the Dominicans and Saint Saviours have a week-long series of talks about Aquinas' Eucharistic hymns but anyway, wow. Back to the Gospel It's an interesting Gospel of course because it's Mark's account of the institution of the Eucharist or the Last Supper as we know it and of course, we have to remember that it occurred at the time when the Jews were celebrating Passover. Passover for them was the beginning of their new relationship with God. They had, you know, they had gone through the, the Passover and then the exodus out of Egypt. And we have that for us, the same kind of analogy applies for us today, because Christ has an, is presenting a new beginning to each one of us, and he, you know, he began by presenting to the disciples but now he's presenting it to each one of us. And I suppose that's something that we need to think about, mm. because we live in a world where people tend to write the church off and our faith off. And it's always to remind ourselves, you know, God is love. As Father Frank said in his reflection, God is love, and that's what we have to remember. When we, cut our, when we turn our back on God, you know, we are rejecting the love that he is giving to us, but he never rejects us. And that, I suppose, is the important thing to remember from today's feast, because the Feast of Corpus Christi reminds us of the love of God that is present every time we see the blessings that we receive or venerate the Blessed Sacrament. But going back to the Gospel, you know, when you go through it and you reflect on it, for me, I suppose, one of the things that jump out are the questions that are asked. And I suppose for each one of those, we could apply those questions to us, uh, you know, this Sunday. Like, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: You know, if you were to apply that in your daily life, are you making preparations to encounter God? Do you make time to encounter God, either in prayer or in the Blessed Sacrament? Five minutes. It's all it takes to take a moment of, of space before the Blessed Sacrament. Or, you know, simple things. Do you bless yourself when you pass the Church as a sign of reverence for the Blessed Sacrament? It's one, as you said, Lorraine, in the program earlier, it was actually one of the more alarming things that came out of that Irish Times survey during the week was the lack of understanding of Catholics mm. of, the, of, the, of the real presence. <clears throat> so questions like that, where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? So Jesus is saying to you and to me, you know, where will you eat with me today? Where will you make time for me today? Where will you make space for me today? Just something to think about. So he sent out two the disciples, and they said, go into the city. And then, you know, he, he, the disciples set out and went to the city and found everything as he had told them. Uh, so the thing that comes out of that for me is it, again, opens up the idea of obedience to the Word of God mm. and being open to the Word of God and doing what we are prompted to do and finding things, it all works out. Mm. You know, there's that great expression, if it's for you to unpass you, you know, mm. and it's the sense that if, you know, if, if, it, if God wills, the, 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 the expression, uh, expression from Muslims is, uh, inshallah, inshallah, it's you know, a, a God willing. And it's, it's a, the expression, you know, if God wills us. And it's kind of to be open to that and to be always not thinking about, what do I want? You know, it's almost going back to that discussion we were having with Father Chris a couple of weeks ago about the idea of vocation and discerning where we have to go in our lives and being open to the prompting of the spirit in our lives. Then as they were eating, he took some bread, and when he said the blessing, he broke it and gave it to them. Take it, he said, this is my body.
2: Mm.
4: You know, the most profound uh, six words, I think, in Scripture. Take it, this is my body.
1: And he didn't say, this is a sign of my body, this is a symbol of my body.
4: It is my body, Mm -hmm. you know. And it 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 is the most sacred symbol of his love for us that that is still present on the altar every time we celebrate Mass, every time we venerate the Blessed Sacrament, that that communion that he's inviting us into is still there, even now, 2,000 years after. At the Last Supper, he invited the disciples into communion with him, into unity with him. They all sat around the table. They all drank from the one chalice. They ate from the one loaf. Each of us is called to be in communion as a community. We've often said on this program, to be Christian is to be in community. You can't be a solitary Christian. It's not possible. Because to be in Christian is to be in communion. Communion, first of all, with God, which we were talking about last week, is the communion of the Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. But also to be in communion with our neighbors, our friends, our family, those that gather around the table of the Lord. When we gather as a Eucharistic community, God is present in four ways. First of all, of course, and one of the most important, he is present in the Blessed Sacrament, mm-hmm. which is what we celebrate in a sense today. Second of all, God is present in the Word proclaimed. And it was interesting. A friend of mine was at, went to lectures for scripture, and they were all told to bring their Bible. And they were all there, and it was the first class, and the lecturer turned around and asked them, where are your Bibles? And of course, most people had them in their bags on mm-hmm. the ground. Mm -hmm. And the lecturer's comment was, how many of you would put the Blessed Sacrament in the bag on the ground? Mm -hmm. And it's the same point. God is present to us as much in his word as in the Blessed Eucharist. Thirdly, God is present in the community. Each of us gathered around the altar. We are the body of Christ by virtue of our baptism. And that is an important thing to remember. Just as much God is in the word and God is in the Eucharist, God is present in the community gathered in faith by virtue of the Holy Spirit, that's in each one of us. And that's important, because it means when you're looking at your neighbour, you're not just looking at your neighbour, you're looking at Jesus. And, you know, when you, you know, when you want to moan and groan about <laughs> your neighbour, you need to pause for a moment to think, would you moan and groan about God? Mm. You know, that, that's the reality of what we're talking about here. It's not something high valuing and theological and complex. What we're saying is our neighbours are Christ to us
2: exactly
4: you know when people say how does god allow suffering in the world and why doesn't god intervene and i often turn around to a friend of mine i said well what about the aid workers and he'd say what about them i said that is christ in the world Hmm. you know that is christ reaching out because christ is in each one of us just as much as he is in the Blessed sacrament he is in each one of us the divine is within each one of us reaching out to our neighbor and of course fourthly when we are gathered in community gathered in faith in you know, the priest stands in persona Christi.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: He is Christ at the head of the table, presiding of the Eucharistic community. And of course, and standing in at the altar of Christus, he is, you know, consecrating the, the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ.
1: And that's why the priest says, this is my body. He this doesn't say this God. is Jesus' exactly. body.
4: Exactly, exactly. But I suppose going back to the gospel, you know, and looking at it and just reflecting on it this week, it's an interesting one, of course, that's presented to us because it's Mark's account of the Last Supper, and it's only two, three verses long. Mm-hmm. And what I say to people is, you need to go through it kind of line by line and see what jumps out at you. Mm. You know, it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So for the Jews, it was a, a, a feast of great symbolism. Even to this day, it is celebrated among Jews all over the world. And you'll often find that even many non observant Jews will honour the Passover. Mm -hmm. They will participate in Passover. You know, and it's interesting, I love it, of course, when the timing occurs that Passover and Easter in the Christian tradition coincide, which actually they dated this year. Ah. You know, and it's interesting, the question comes out again, you know, that's the question that jumped out this week for me. Where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat Passover? Christ is saying to you and to me this Sunday, where do you want me to, where are you going to make space for me so that we can talk together. There's that the great expression, you know, companions, is the, the, the translation of the, the, the word for companion comes from is bread, those that eat bread together. We are companions on the journey. Christ is our, you know, is our bosom companion on the journey of life. And it's the case of friends. When you meet your friend, what do you do? You have a chat. You catch up on the gossip. You exchange the news. You ask how the family is doing. And, you know, that's almost what our relationship with Christ should be like. It should be a conversation between two friends. As John Henry Newman said, heart to heart.
1: Beautiful, Shane. Well, thank you so much for your reflection again this morning. John, do you have anything to add before we go to our piece of music?
3: Not much. um, You know, to follow Shane there, maybe just one. Um, Jesus loves us so much, as Father Frank said this morning, early on. And maybe somebody said once that all you really have to do is just go in and sit inside the church in front of the tabernacle say, Jesus, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Speak with me. Tell me what you want me to do.
1: Beautiful. Well, the piece of music we're going to take is quite appropriate. It's called I Am the Bread of Life. It's sung by John Michael Talbot and it's from his album Signatures. Let's have a listen.
2: Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.